Well, for more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business and the knowledge economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing the success of businesses and communities around the world through the imagination of our people and smart technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend, Bear SAGE Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kless. And Ed, this is the week to get into trouble. <laughs> because we have three of my favorite lawyers on the line with us, and we are going to discuss the future of the legal profession. Uh, first, I, I'm going to introduce them in no particular order, certainly not alphabetical, but the first one is David Wells. He's the managing principal of Moores, and they are located in Melbourne, Australia. David's an accredited specialist of the Law Institute of Victoria in commercial litigation. His expertise uh, is around uh, resolving major commercial disputes and managing complex legal issues for medium to large size corporations, local governments, and industry bodies. And then from Brisbane, Australia, we have Matthew Burgess, who is the director of VIEW Legal. He specializes in trust, tax, superannuation, asset protection, estate and succession planning, and related areas, and has been recognized in the best lawyers list since 2014 in relation to trusts and estates. He's also uh, published a collection of illustrated children's story stories and his book, The Dream Enabler, I just absolutely loved, kind of gives you an inside look on the daily goings-on of a practicing attorney. So both David and Matthew are practicing attorneys. And our third guest, last but not least, is John Chisholm, who happens to be a third-generation lawyer who, prior to establishing his consulting firm, was a senior executive in positions in leading Australian legal and accounting firms for more than 17 years. He's also, like David, in Melbourne, Australia. John was admitted to practice as a barrister and solicitor in 1979, and he specialized in commercial and property law. And just full disclosure, he is a senior fellow of the Verisage Institute. So these three, I think, are some of the smartest uh, lawyers I know, and they're also really good friends, and they're also incredibly innovative. Uh, for instance, David and Matthew have both eliminated timesheets. They do 100% value pricing in their firms, and we're delighted to have them on to talk about the, the uh, Richard Suskin and Daniel Suskin book, The Future of the Profession. So David uh, and Matthew and John, welcome to the Soul of Enterprise. It's Delighted great to, to be, be here, here with you and Ed. Thank you. Thank well, you David, so I'll, uh, I'll start with you. Um, this is going to be just kind of a roundtable discussion. So 
uh, I think all of us can chime in, including you. If any of these guys say something, and I'm sure they will, that triggers a thought, please jump in here. Um, but I guess what I want to ask each of you individually is, do you agree with the books, the, the future of the professions, overall premise that we are entering a post-professional society, which I find an incredibly evocative phrase, uh, much like Richard's prior book, The End of Lawyers. So, David, I'll start with you. Do, do you agree? Did you agree with the overall thrust of the book? I certainly agree that the professions are going to experience enormous change and they're certainly experiencing that at the moment. I can probably only comment uh, with any authority on the legal profession and that's undergoing enormous change in Australia. Whether that's because of the uh, changes with technology, whether technology is going to be the main driver or something else is something that I have a question about and I'd be interested to hear the comments from from, uh, you and Ed as well as from John and Matthew in that respect. Okay, excellent. And Matthew, how about you? Did you agree? Absolutely did, Ron. I, I guess probably only with a hint of reservation along analogous lines to what John's, I guess what John might say and, and what David just has said. I, you mentioned in your introduction there Susskind's earlier work at the end of lawyers. I, there was one thing that really stuck with me on that and I don't know that he hit it as hard in this latest book and, and possibly for good reason that he, in one of the sections in that inclusion, con- conclusion he says, well, it's the conservative and reactionary. There's nothing as conservative and reactionary as those who benefit from the status quo. And I, I just have an un, uneasy feeling that this current status quo, particularly in the legal profession, acknowledging David's comment that the others may not be so, um, that the status quo is very strong and the barriers take a long, long time to break down. Right. Who, who's in government more than lawyers, right? <laughs> who writes yeah, the laws yeah, exactly. And- Turkeys aren't going to fight for Christmas. It's the oldest <laughs> saying that it, I, I just, you know, Saskin's been going on about this for 20 years and um, I, I hope he's right, but I, I just have a level of nervousness about the time frame that he's talking about. You know, and, and Daniel did uh, correct us on that. I, I think I had posted in our show notes when we interviewed Daniel that they see this unfolding in about two decades, but he actually says, no, we don't actually make a timeline prediction. We're not sure when this is going to unfold we just we're just kind of identifying the you know the future the the, the current trends right now and saying that for a while we're going to run in two parallel universes and at some point the one is going to overtake the other but they they don't know when but i kind of have a feeling and i think ed does too that this might happen faster than we all think but but john how about you what did you think uh, did you agree with the overall premise of the book well, firstly, Ron, I, I think as uh, as we all know, uh, I think lawyers are notoriously terrible in trying to predict time. So, um, whatever happens, I think we'll get it wrong in you know predicting whether it's going to happen sooner or later. Um, do I think? It, look, it, it, are we entering a, or are we going to enter a post professional phase? I think that's deliberately provocative, as you said, just like his earlier books, you know, the end of lawyers. Um, so, I'm going to agree with both Matthew and David to some degree and I I think there's going to be enormous change. I think the whole definition of principle may well change in, uh, sorry, of of professional may well change in in 20 years time to post what, I don't don't know. I think you'll find that there is not only a change in how lawyers are seen as professionals but, but I suspect there'll be an addition of professions that 
probably we don't even think about now. Right, right. They do lay out, and I will. I do want to ask you guys about the future roles that they see for for uh, you know a young, say, budding professional. We even asked Daniel this when we interviewed him. What advice would he give to a college student that wanted to enter the legal profession, or indeed any of these professions? Um, so I'll, I'll I'll make the rounds again, and I'll go back to you, David. What struck you most about the book, or convinced you of its of its insight, or or not? What was the few things, or you know, take as much time as you want, but what were the few things that really struck you about it? I suppose uh, one of the things that struck me was the emphasis on uh, the face-to-face contact that uh, professionals uh, seem to have had with clients in, in more recent history uh, and the fact that Susskind says that this action actually wasn't the primary reason for the development of the professions. It was to uh, share their, their expert knowledge and that uh, this, this empathy that uh, uh, very competent professionals can impart to their clients is, is something that's a more recent invention and has perhaps been a justification for uh, the, the continuation of the, the professions in in more recent status quo, but that uh, that that could perhaps slip away, and that challenged me as a as a lawyer and as a professional, um, because I've always thought that the empathy factor was a very very uh, significant reason for for me being in practice and how I could make my clients feel, as well as the the uh, the, the legal knowledge that. I could share with them and and what I could do to help them realise opportunities and solve problems. Uh, And the proposition that uh, with technology and computers and artificial intelligence um, that that might be capable of being supplanted was um, quite confronting for me. Uh, So, yeah, I I was thrilled to, uh, to be exposed to that idea. You know, that was a really challenging point that struck me, too, because I think that's one of the things that we as professionals, we tend to go to and say, well, look, we have the personal relationship. We're compassionate or empathetic or whatever. And, you know, a computer is not going to be able to replace that. And these guys are saying, whoa, time out. It's not like there's a lot of compassion among professionals in the first place. And and I thought that that was a really challenging statement. But Matthew, what's your take on it? Yeah, I strongly agree with everything you and David have just spoken about, so I'll try to maybe give two other perspectives. I think the first one, and I appreciate this is probably quite obvious, but I think it, it gets lost in the rhetoric that the, the lawyers particularly are, are so fond of using, and that, that being the concept that the professions as a whole, but particularly lawyers, should only survive and prosper if they're actually bringing net value to, to the system. And I, I think you know, they, they talk about, and, and the great show that you and Ed did with um, with Daniel, you talk about the grand bargain. I, I really query that, that that has been completely lost in the mix. So that, that would be my first comment. The second one would be, it, I think for lawyers particular, perhaps not so much the other professions, but particularly from a legal perspective, I, and it's analogous to the first point, I, I think it also gets lost and, and Suskin and Suskin deal with it really nicely that it's not the purpose of, um, 
it's not a purpose to have legal disputes or a tax system or whatever to keep professionals in a highly paid employment. And, and I think a lot of times that, that gets lost, partly because there's in this country, and I, I suspect in the US as well, there are just so many attorneys uh, sitting inside our governments as well. And the third one may be a little bit left field, but I, I rate very, very highly any publication that can legitimately quote Monty Python. And uh, if you read the notes carefully, there's a sensational Monty Python quote. So that was my third idea. <laughs> These boys did do their research. I, 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 we definitely complimented Daniel on that. They, I think they really did their homework. And, and not just uh, from the UK, but from an international perspective. John, what, uh, and you can chime in on what uh, David and Matthew have said, but also what, did, what struck you about the book? I think what struck me is that it's not just the legal profession undergoing, you know, some change or will go under some change. And as I think we all know, for so long we have benchmarked ourselves as a legal profession, not against other professions or or looked over the fence. We've benchmarked ourselves against, you know, law firms against other law firms, those sorts of things. And when you look at and and the Suskins go into quite detail about some of the things that have happened happened in you know the, 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 the in medicine and a whole range of things out there and you th- and you sort of think well wh- why should the legal profession be immune from um, you know from any of that a, a lot of the same arguments against even moving to technology and your ne- technology will never replace a you know doctor and those sorts of things well um, you know it, it has so I think uh, for for for, for for me, it just again questioned as to you know why is there any valid reason we should be immune from any of of those challenges and changes. The other thing that really challenged me, I have to say, is and I haven't got my head around it. They they make the comment about the ultra specialist or the uber specialist, Ron, and you know for us, I think that's a can you be so specialised? that you actually, I, I think they use the term um, demote yourself to a subcontractor, you know, and, and, and that is all. And, and I think that's going to be interesting and something um, we often struggle with. As, as we know, we've become more and more specialised and, and customers often pay for that um, um, increased specialisation, understandably. But, you know, do, does will the role of some lawyers become the uber specialist and and therefore change the whole way they're looked at by you know by customers or end end users if you like right I, you know it, uh, daniel said and i believe they talk about this in the book so i'm not telling you guys anything you, you hadn't read but he he uh, richard said you know often in speaking to groups of attorneys about these issues there might be a lone doctor in the crowd or a journalist or you know clergy member or something and they'd come up to him afterwards and say wow all these things that you've identified that are happening in the legal profession are happening in these other professions and that's why they decided to expand uh, in this book, the discussion to not just lawyers, but doctors and clergy and architects and teachers and journalists and, and accountants and auditors. So I, I really uh, I really appreciated how they expanded this to all the professions, not just talking about this is unique to the legal profession. Um, so, folks, well, this, this, this is a great uh, discussion, you guys. And before we break, we've got about a half minute here for the break. I'm going to throw out uh, my next question. Uh, but then Ed's going to take over. And uh, what I find really interesting about this is since you guys all practice, 
I'm sure you have professionals as customers. And one of the things I, I'm going to talk to you about when we, uh, when we come back or when I get my next turn is how are you advising your professional customers to deal with these changes? And in the meantime, folks, we'd like to remind you, you can contact Ed or myself at asktsoe at verisage.com and check out the soulofenterprise.com. We will post full show notes on this uh, show and we will have uh, all three of these gentlemen's bios up there and links where you can find them and their email and all of that. And in the meantime, we need to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Is your website just a brochure, or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we're back on The Soul of Enterprise, and we've got a panel of lawyers. And I just want to state that I'm not only the, well, I'm I'm a non-lawyer, as they would call me, but I'm also a non-professional, so I'm the only non-professional in this entire group. So I'm going to um, quick pick up on Ron's last question to each of you, and I'm going to start with John, and and because you do a lot of consulting with with uh, lawyers in in Australia and throughout the world, actually, how are you advising your customers who are professionals in in dealing with this the ideas that are presented here by the Suskins? Yeah, even I think. The Suskins make some point at one stage saying when they talk to some of the professions, they talk to lawyers and they say, yeah, I know I know, change is coming to us, but it's not coming as quickly as it is to the, the, the medicos or the accountants or whatever. They speak to accountants and accountants say, yeah, I know there's some change coming, but it's not coming as quickly as it is to the medicos or the, or the lawyers. Um, and I've said to some of my clients, and I'd say to any lawyers out there, even if you don't believe some or all of this is going to happen to you, read it 
read it to understand what's happening to some of your clients so you can be better placed to advise um, advise them. Even if you won't take your own medicine, perhaps you can dispense some to some of your customers and, and clients out there. Okay. How about David? What about you? I reckon that one of the traps that professionals can fall into is uh, is being passive and uh, anticipating that there is stuff that's going to happen to them uh, around which they have no control, but they can somehow prepare themselves. And what I say to uh, to other professionals I have the opportunity to work with from time to time is change is going to happen. Don't be passive. Uh, be be active. Um, and I'm fond of a quote from a guy called John Shah, which is, the road to the future is not found, it's made. And I suppose my hope would be that professionals would actually get onto the front foot and, and be the agents of change and shape the future. I actually don't think that I got any idea as to how the future um, might be predicted for me or my, my practice, but I can certainly uh, be very active in shaping the future and being an agent for change. And that's what I always encourage my clients uh, to get involved with. And Matthew? Yeah, very similar themes that I probably a couple of quotes leveraging off David said in particular. I, I remember Susskind when he was doing the rounds, Richard Susskind after his end of lawyer's book, and he, I don't know if it was a public comment, but it certainly made the rounds that it, it is very difficult to convince a bunch of people who are men, earning a million dollars a year that their business model is wrong. <laughs> and I, rightly or wrongly, I, I'm probably at the point for where in our little world where we're, we're becoming a little bit less... Um, considerate than, than this latest book is in terms of if people aren't with the program, then it, it's really, you know, the wave is coming. There's just there's just no doubt about it. What that looks like, as David says, is another question. And, and our catchphrase is another quote I, I can't attribute it, is you know, I'm not, not really afraid of the old ideas. I'm, you know, I don't, I don't understand the people who are afraid of the new ideas. I'm, I'm afraid of the old ideas. So our bottom line is... And, and it's interesting in the book because I, I think they just state it as a fact, but I, I don't know that a lot of the readers accept it as a fact that almost everything that they talk about doesn't make sense under a time-billing business model. If you actually think about, you know, the artificial intelligence and all, almost every concept that they talk to doesn't make sense if you're still on the timesheet. So, I, to be frank, we've started disengaging with those that don't accept that as fact. And, and that probably narrows who we need to speak to, but it, it makes it a much happier existence for everyone. And, and Matthew, I'm going to stay with stay with you. Is there anything in the book that you disagreed with that took you that took you by surprise and said, "Dad, yeah, they're, they're off the mark here." Yeah, I was interested to hear probably two things. And look, say this with absolute um, total total respect, because I. Ron's not speaking at the moment, so I can say this. There's only been two books really when I go back through all the stuff I've studied that have changed my business life, if not my life. And the first one was Firm of the Future and the second one was End of Lawyers. And I think, rightly or wrongly, that that this that they're probably more polite, if that's the right word, an English word, in this book than they have been historically. And I understand why that might be the reason that they, they need to position it and make it very scientific. So that would be the first thing. And the second thing was Ron's earlier point. I I actually think that everything works until it doesn't work. And, and I sense that 
the, it's very analogous what they're talking about in their book as Ron and you speak about every week and that is that the time billing model, it, the end is in sight and when it happens it'll be like the taxi industry and Ubers or it'll be like Airbnb and the hotel industry, whatever analogy you want to talk about. When this, when it finally cracks, it, it will happen and it'll be in total and it will happen from outside the profession. It's not going to be people inside the profession that crack this. It'll be forces from without. And I I heard Ron say it might be 10 or 20 years. I, I think it's, to me, what they're talking about, it's less than 10 years. And I was, I probably would have liked them to have put a stake in the ground because they have before. So why didn't they this time? Okay. David, how about you? What what was something with which you disagreed? I, I was a little troubled by their uh, quite persistent use of this expression, practical expertise, I'm not sure it was defined really well, but um, this is not so much a disagreement, but a disappointment from my point of view in that they didn't uh, place any real emphasis on the judgment that professionals can bring to bear in their dealings with clients and and customers. And uh, whilst I can completely agree with the proposition that uh, technology and powerful computing can um, manipulate and massage a a lot of data and and information and and perhaps even some knowledge. Um, I'm not sure uh, that it's ever going to be able to make the sort of judgments that clients and customers expect from their advisors. Now, perhaps uh, it will be demonstrated to my satisfaction in due course that computers can do that, and if they can, then I would applaud. But presently, I'm not convinced that the, the role that professionals have in making really sound judgments for their, their clients is something that uh, can be usurped. And I, I think that uh, the, the best professionals are always going to be able to play that sort of a role. And I was very surprised that uh, that didn't come through more strongly in the book. Okay. And I'm going to come back to that, David. That's a, an inter- interesting point, something that I picked up on. But first, let me go to John and say, is there anything in the book, John, that you you disagreed with? Look, I think it's, you know, to to disagree, I, I don't even feel competent enough to disagree. I, I don't think, I, I think I agree with Matthew, the end of lawyers shook me up more than 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 this did. This opened my mind to to other things, particularly the other, other professions. I, I think there were things that perhaps I, um, and I could see why perhaps they are a bit, Bit softer, and to get the um, to, to to get the the leverage, and to try and convince some of the the naysayers on on some of the things. I, I do think, though, that you know, in the in the legal profession, at least, there's probably and we hear various percentages. You know, seventy, eighty percent of 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 the potential legal market is still untapped. You know, the the the, the blue ocean, and they're they're for whatever reason. Um, those that either can't afford or don't use legal services. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of it or I, is still talking about, you know, the, 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 the red ocean that, we're, we're, that they're fighting with using technology to, 
um, you know, to differentiate yourself, you know, do things in that part of it. But but I think I see the real opportunities of not just using technology but different business models and particularly moving away from the billable hours that we all know uh, is in that, that you know, 70 80% untapped legal, legal market and I think there perhaps could have been more emphasis placed on how technology can, can allow um, or can change the, the mindset of the professionals, particularly the lawyers, that, that you know, can make them look at let, let's stop, you know, fighting, fighting over that 15, 20% and let's look at other opportunities outside of um, in, in the other 70, 80% that's largely untapped and that other disruptors in the legal profession um, even the Matthews of the world are, uh, are going into and taking advantage of. All right. Well, I'm not going to get in detail to my next question uh, before the break. So, Ron, I'm going to have to spill over and take some of your time going across. Sure. But I, I wanted to, to, to share this with you guys because I think th- this picks up on what m- – the three of you mentioned that, and then I think takes it one step further. Uh, he talks about this, they, or they say, uh, fundamental changes to the courts are also being launched. Legal technologists are at, being asking whether the court is a service or a place, whether people and organizations in dispute really need to congregate in a physical courtroom to settle their differences. And then they talk about one alternative being a virtual court. But really what they're saying in that virtual court is merely just a, let's call it a Skype version of court, Right. Where we would just ne- not necessarily have to have to appear at a particular time and place in order to be able to to settle the dispute, but what about taking it that one step further, where the law the, the the laws and the legal system and the precedents are all loaded into say an IBM Watson type computer, where the the lawyers and, and barristers then argue make their make their arguments and boom outspits the judgment. So what about the actual replacement? of the judge in this. How do you guys feel about that? And I'm going to start with with, uh, David on that, and we're probably going to have to jump to a break, and then we'll get the other two answers afterwards. So, David, what about that? Have you thought about that perspective? Yeah, look, I'm a bit reticent about that proposition. Um, My observations of the the legal process in Australia over 30 years now are that uh, judges actually uh, make a lot of their decisions, not only on the basis of their understanding of the facts and the legal arguments and the the law as applied to the facts, but also on the, the demeanour of the witnesses and body language. And uh, credit, I think, is a, a very, very real consideration for judges. And I don't really understand how uh, a computer would be able to replace uh, that sort of judgment that is exercised by a a legal functionary. Uh, But uh, perhaps uh, as computers become more sophisticated, they will be able to do exactly that as well. All right. Well, we'll have to pick up after we return from the break with Matthew and John's response to that question. But right now, we want to remind you that you can read our show notes, which we post every week to at thesoulofenterprise.com. In addition, if you want to ask us a question, please send an email to ask, A-S-K-T-S-O-E, the soul of enterprise, at uh, verisage.com. But right now, we want to hear from our sponsor, Azamba. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We believe great companies can become even greater by challenging the status quo within their companies. The latest challenge to your status quo? The way people buy has changed. Buyers now control the majority of the front end of the sales process. Sellers must learn to facilitate a buying process, not conduct a sales process. Social buying signals are an opportunity for sales. Learn more. Go to quantacrm.com slash ABC to request a copy of the white paper, Always Be Closing, a guide to the new art of social selling. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we're back on The Soul of Enterprise. And before the break, I, I posed a question about, is it possible that maybe the replacement in the legal system might not only be some of the, the lawyers per se, but the, the, the function of the judge as well. And uh, David has already provided his answer. But Matthew, what do you think of that? Is it possible that we someday replace the judge with a computer? Look, obviously agree with David as we currently understand it. I guess what I take out of this book would be, and I can only really speak about the, the little area of, of the law that I work in, but if, if you look at deceased estates and people fighting over other people's wills, um, and, and I know in other analogous situations there's there's IT platforms and apps being developed to deal with this, if you were able to plug in, as you said, every recorded decision and you could then also plug in the current assets of the estate, the assets of the people challenging it, um, ages, dates of birth, number of kids, et cetera, et cetera. So all just factual information and then run a test against all the recorded decisions and then say, right, um, we're going to sell this app for $69. Um, you'll use it once. It'll take about 10 minutes to complete it, but we can predict with 99% accuracy what you would otherwise get if you signed up for a three-year court litigation and you're going to spend $400,000 in legal fees. <laughs> I, I just, I'd like to see what the market says to that. I'd like to see, is it $69 and I'll have an answer in 10 minutes? Or is it $400,000 and I'm going to have two years of my life sucked from me? And I, that's, that's, that I think they allude to in the book. Um, they probably don't show their, their cards on that, but that's the kind of thing that I would be interested in to go to your question. Right. And John, how about you? Yeah, look, I think we will see it more and more. I mean, the legal profession, including the judiciary, will be the last to want to put themselves out of a job. I do understand that. But I think in some areas, take, take 
family law property disputes, you know, not talking about the, you know, where there's agreed statement of facts and really is it is how do you split up the matrimonial assets. Why does it need a judge to decide that? Why couldn't there just be, you know, here is the agreed um, statement of facts, feed it into a, uh, a computer and it will, you know, spit out. It's 60, 40, 28 or whatever. I, you know, I think there is many more of those than what we, and even in other, I remember many years ago going to um, the UAE and, and seeing and being allowed to sit in on a, on Shari law, some court cases there. And what sort of amazed me, and I, you know, I thought, well, this can't be right, but there was much more of the evidentiary proof was via written material rather than uh, in our system barristers getting up and, you know, um, making um, their theatrical statements and all those sorts of things. But when you think of it, um, probably that all comes at a cost. Probably it comes, and, and David's right, there are things like, you know, how can you tell, how can a, uh, a computer tell if a witness is lying or the demeanour or those sorts of things. But, but I suspect we will see, you know, suspect the CIA has plenty of that stuff any, anyway now, and I, I can see something being developed that in, in some tribunals, in some areas, it will be, we will look back and say, hey, remember when lawyers used to appear in this um, jurisdiction or lawyers used to do this? Uh, so I, I think it will, it, it will happen. It will leave the most important and the most, you know, to the, to the, to the highest courts probably. But, um, yeah, I, I think we will see changes in that respect. If for no other reason, and, and I said it won't necessarily be the judiciary doing that, but... Um, the cost of access to justice will probably demand um, um, demand things change in that respect. You guys, this is Ron again, and this well, there's so many different places I'd love to go with you three. I knew this would be the fastest billable hour of my life. Uh, but uh, on that point, John, about the emotions, you know, they do point out, and, and Ed and I have read this in other books, like Humans Are Underrated by Jeff Colvin, that uh, computers now are, are actually better than, than man in reading the emotions of people because it's all displayed in our faces. And computers can pick up on the most minute, uh, you know, variations in our in our facial tics and and expressions and all of that. So I th- I think that's a really interesting question. But I'm split on this too. I kind of back where David was and where Matthew was about you know the judge having judgment. And one of the things that the Suskins do point out is that there are going to be some decisions that we humans are always going to want other humans to make regardless of how good the technology is, like switching off the life support on somebody or even putting down a household pet or maybe even verdicts in a jury trial. Um, But, John, I'll stick with you on this because this is something that Daniel talked about on our radio show that they don't really discuss in the book. And him being economist, he was really interested in this. And it's something he calls latent demand. He believes there's an enormous reservoir of demand for all professional services, but because of the monopoly, you know, the so-called grand bargain, it goes unmet. And he says what's happened with the professions is because of their limited competition and all of that, they've created a Rolls Royce. In other words, they're high quality, but everyone else is walking. So I remember, John, when we spoke to Chief Justice Wayne Martin 
from mm-hmm. Perth in, in uh, Western Australia, he brought up the exact same concerns about the cost of justice and how, how expensive a lawsuit is and the discovery process. Some of the things that David and Matthew have mentioned too. Um, do, do you see this, these trends helping that latent demand? Do you think more people will be able to access justice, whether it's like Matt said, you know, a $29 decision in, in three minutes? Uh, rather than the the cumbersome judicial process that we now have? I do, Ron, and I I think certainly here in Australia, and I suspect they are looking at how they they introduce some of those. I mean, we now have tribunals and those that, you know, exclude lawyers. Um, we, we, we now have, you know, more faster in it. Sure, it isn't the the Rolls Royce, but, you know, I I think, they're right. Don't always want the the Rolls Royce. I mean, David, um, Matthew, and I would know of or have seen many instances where not just the the cost. It wouldn't matter what the decision is. The cost of the decision plus the timing of the decision. Um, it would have much better. The parties, whether you win or lose, would have been much better having quick justice, rough justice. <laughs> than long, drawn-out, expensive, you know, um, justice that takes three or four years to, to get to a decision. It, it, you know, honestly wouldn't matter what the decision is after that. And I, I think we have to find ways of being, you know, for, for particularly some of the, I don't, it's not commoditized, but some of the uh, not as much, Value add where you can you, you you can make it quicker and 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 cheaper um, and leave the the difficult uh, stuff to um, you know to others or those that can afford it because most right. people certainly in Australia just can't afford or a lot of people can't afford access to to justice they really they really can't right we have most a lot of Rolls Royces and- most lawyers can't afford their own hourly rates. <laughs> we have a lot of Rolls Royces and Cadillacs, but there's no, there's no Hondas or you know Hondas that you know may may be of less quote unquote quality, however you define that, but could be more affordable. Um, Matthew, what's your take on this on this latent demand issue? Yeah, very, very strongly agreed, Ron. And, and probably the only point, and I'll, I'll just query whether, as you say. It may not have been as explored as, as someone like you would like it or, or me for that matter. But I guess from our perspective, and you look, it's happening in the US already. It's been happening for a number of years with the axioms and, and the legal zooms. I mean, these are these are largely coming from outside the status quo and they're, they're running to their own rules and they're, they're growing at their own trajectories, which leave uh, the traditional providers, the great trajectories of you know, are nothing compared. Now, admittedly, they're coming from very small base, but the momentum's there. And if you broadly accept the Christensen innovative dilemma-style argument, that, that it, it sneaks up on you. And, and before you know it, that the Hyundai's and the Kia's are, are best of breed and they have the quality, but they've got the pricing model right as well. So we're certainly, we've built a disruptive business here in our business um, in, a, in an area of estate planning. Nothing in that solution is under $1,000 when comparative solutions are at least five times, sometimes 10 times that. And it's it's accessing a part of the market we didn't even know existed. So a very, very small example, but I, I think it's coming and it's coming probably a lot faster and, and a lot more 
depth than than anticipated in the book. Great point. I mean, one of the things that struck me statistics-wise from the book was the uh, number, there's three times as many disagreements each year amongst eBay traders are resolved using online dispute resolution than are lawsuits filed in the entire U.S. court system. That that blew my mind. So I I, I think that does make Daniel's argument that there is this enormous latent demand. But David, over to you. What, What do you think of this and affordable justice and more access to more people? I think it's uh, probably been a blight on the legal profession in Australia for some time, the the fact that it is so difficult for uh, the majority of people and indeed a lot of organisations to get access to justice. And uh, we we say here that if you've got a lot of money, you can obviously access the legal system and Sometimes uh, if you have very little money, you might be able to access the legal system through legal aid, but there's a a whole lot of people and organisations in the middle who are actually priced out. And that's a real shame. And I think that the the approach of the legal profession is uh, largely the reason for that. I heard Jordan Furlong uh, speaking at a conference in Australia last year, and I think John and, and Matthew also heard him. And the, the statistic that he shared with us was that uh, approximately 85% of people with a legal problem never actually consult a lawyer. And so Jordan was making the point there's a tremendous upside for lawyers if they can actually make themselves more accessible. Uh, There's a whole lot of good work that they can do and there's an opportunity for them to enlarge their their pool of clients. But uh, we, we actually need to change the way we work, the way we relate to clients. And the example that Matthew has given us about his own practice um, building a a computer-based system which enables uh, enables people to have their estate planning done at a relatively low cost is is a wonderful example about lawyers being proactive and actually becoming the change that that needs to occur. So uh, I'm disappointed that there is this enormous latent demand that lawyers especially aren't satisfying, but uh, I do think that there's a huge opportunity for uh, professionals and lawyers to to move into that gap. And if they don't, uh, others will, and it might be non-lawyer professionals who do, or uh, the, the technology will help people answer the questions for themselves. Sure. I mean, LegalZoom is the best known U.S. legal brand right now. It's not even a law firm. Uh, I, and, and Matthew, I, I couldn't agree more with what you said. You know, let the market decide whether or not these, these alternative solutions that people can seek will, will, uh, will, will, you know, will pass the test. And, and I, one of my favorite quotes from the book is they quote Aristotle and they say, the guest will judge better of a feast than the cook. So maybe we need to leave this up to the market rather than the lawyers. But, folks, we we need to take a break, and we'd like to remind you, you can email Ed or myself at asktsoe at verisage.com. And please follow us on Twitter at at asktsoe. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Sage. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Four new employees. A 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we're speaking with John Chisholm, David Wells, and Matthew Burgess, all from Australia, about the future of the legal profession and the Suskins book, both Richard and Daniel, The Future of the Professions. Gentlemen, I have one more uh, question that is addressed, I think, toward the end of the book, where Suskins, the Suskins are talking about what, what, is, what is going to happen with regard to the grand bargain? What is the ultimate fate of that? Do you think we're going to see more liberation of the marketplace or is there going to be more legislation as the professions try to re- regain control uh, o- over the process and uh, in in some death throes similar to what we're seeing with Uber and taxis and you know the uh, the the unions and states trying to keep them out so i'm going to uh, start with uh, Matthew on that one if you could what do you think it, are we going to see some liberation or more legislation Thanks, Ed. Oh, um, I, I don't want to sound unduly pessimistic on this. I, I, I hope that it happens quickly because I think it's the right thing and I, I think it goes back to those earlier comments that it's not the role of, of these problems in society to make lawyers rich and that comes through very clearly in the book. My, my concern, when you even look at Uber and the battles that they've had as one analogy, my concern is the differences you've got here are twofold. One, there are so many ex-lawyers that are sitting in our governments around the world and two particularly the bigger end of town most of the in-house legal teams where where if you look at the percentage of legal spend that so much is with those big corporates they're all run by people out of the machine and I, I just query it, it's not going to happen from within the profession I think is the reality um, that's just a question of how much momentum outside the profession can get uh, bearing in mind that the really significant headwinds they're going to face. And John, how about you? Is the, is are we going to see more liberalization in the short term, or more lit, uh, legislation in the short term to to uh, to try to strengthen the hold of the professions? Um, I I've got to say I do agree with Matthew. Just don't underestimate the 
the power of the, the, the status quo at a whole lot of levels that will, just as we've seen with, with the billable hour and those sorts of things, they will, you know, fight to hold on to, uh, on, onto that as much as, much as they can. And, you know, regrettably, I, you know, I wish it, wish it would happen from, from within the profession that they see that there's just, a better way of practicing their, their their craft, and it's much more sustainable, and they can be more uh, relevant and useful to community and society. But you know, I I just fear that there's, there's going to be a, a lot to happen, and a lot more pressure's got to be exerted from outside the profession before that will will really change. You know, we were talking before the break about about some of the the, the things and the changes, and and I know. Um, uh, there's very innovative or in, within the legal profession uh, law firms out there and they're all spouting about the wonderful things they're doing. But I, I've got to be frank, I, I think when I look back, the the business model that we know well, the, you know, we sell time and leveraging time by people by hourly rate, it, it, has, it has stopped, you know, the, the legal profession should be a lot more innovative than what it is. And I think it was put on hold for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, real, true innovation because we didn't have to be. We didn't have to be innovative um, and, and, and as creative as what we are. And I'm not saying there's not, not, not firms and there's certainly, you know, firms like, like David's and Matthew's and others that are doing some wonderful things now. And I know I'm a much more innovative managing partner now I don't run a law firm than when I ran a law firm so I do understand <laughs> but I, you know I think that there just wasn't the pressures that there's been on other industries to actually make the change and I think if we if you wanted legislation and I don't want legislation I know you as a libertarian Ed would just love it and come in but <laughs> if, 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 if you outlawed you know time-based billing right now I think you'd see firms, lawyers being much more innovative and much more creative than what we are um, now. So, um, so that that's a you know an, on, an ongoing um, fight, and I think it it will, as Matthew say, take some external forces to pressure the the rump of the profession into making making the changes that are necessary. And David, I think we have you back. Is that right? I am back. Thank you. Yes, I'm inclined to agree with Matthew and John on, on this one, uh, but I, I would hope that there's going to be a lot more liberation of the marketplace in, in the short term. I can barely, barely lift the, uh, the, the hard copy of the Legal Profession Act uh, in Australia <laughs> these days. There's so much in it and uh, it's a disgrace. It's nice to know that's a worldwide problem. Uh, you guys, we only have about three minutes. So I'm going to have to hold you to about a half a minute response each. But I just want to ask you, I am still completely optimistic about the professions, even after reading this book in the end of lawyers, because I think we're an enormously adaptive species. We will adapt to these changes. And yes, we'll work different. The professions will look different and all of that. But David, are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future of the legal profession? Ron, I'm incredibly optimistic about the future of the professions. And 
in a way, I was intrigued to read uh, a similar conclusion in Susskind's book, and I do agree with it. Uh, I think that there is always going to be a place for uh, people with uh, good technical knowledge and the ability to uh, to uh, collect the data and make judgments about information and impart those sound judgments for the benefits of clients. I think that uh, clients will, will always want that. And if that comes from professionals with empathy, I think that's going to be uh, a very worthwhile thing. And I, I think it's part of the, the human condition. Fantastic. Uh, computers, robots can do a lot for us, but I don't think they'll ever supplant us. Matthew, how about you? Yeah, just as a point of differentiation, optimistic about legal solutions adding to society, pessimistic about the incumbents being able to provide that. I think the change, it'll be like all the other industries and and it won't be the incumbents that provide it and bring it on. Fantastic. John, how about you? Uh, Look, I I think it will be some of them, but but I think um, some of those solutions that, that David and talks about won't necessarily come from lawyers. They may well be legal solutions, but they'll, they'll come from other people that don't have, certainly don't have the same mindset and background as, as the traditional uh, law firms do, I, I have to say. But, yeah, we, we will survive. We're adaptive, you know, particularly, I think, if nothing else uh, make them survive, the, the, um, the fact that they can't earn the you know, keep going the way we're going, not going to earn the, the income that I believe I'm entitled to. And right. if nothing else may make some of them change, it will be, it, it will, it will be that, um, well, whether that's for the right reasons. Or, um, well, gentlemen, we have to end this, but thank you so much on behalf of me and Ed, uh, David Wells, Managing Principal of Moore's, Matthew Burgess of View Legal, and of course, John Chisholm of uh, John Chisholm Consulting. Thank you so much, guys, for your insights and wisdom on this, and uh, hopefully we can get you back on the show to talk about it some more. Ed, what do we have next week? We're free riding next week, Ron, our favorite, right favorite time of the year. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing the success of businesses and communities around the world through the imagination of our people and smart technology. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific for Free Rider Friday. In the meantime, feel free to visit us at thesoulofenterprise.com, and we will have uh, David Wells and Matthew Burgess and John Chisholm's bios and links emails on how you can get a hold of these uh, three fine gentlemen and you can contact ed or myself at ask tsoe at verisage.com thanks for listening folks and we'll see you next week